welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have got Clint Callahan. He is a social worker and therapist, and he, he works. He has been working in mental health field, field since last 23 years. Welcome to the show, Clint. Thanks, AJ. You are welcome. Welcome to the show. And so we'll be talking about, you know, Clint, about the power of incremental transformation, small changes, big impact. So can, can uh, we want to understand from you? My first question is about that itself. What is mm -hmm. this incremental transformation? And does it, can it, can it happen this way? The way yeah. that you talk, talk about your way. Sure. Uh, well, yeah, like you mentioned, I am a, I'm a therapist, I'm a therapist, social worker, and I'm a life coach. Uh, my small changes, big impact is the name of my life coaching business. And what it is, is it helps people to recognize that it doesn't take massive things to change your life. Because you can have those lightning bolt moments or those really big light bulb moments that help you to see and recognize, oh, I need to change. But holding that kind of energy for a long period of time is really hard you can't keep up that kind of momentum because you become exhausted. So one of the ways that you can change that is you switch it to small, consistent changes every day because it's just like climbing a mountain. When you look, if you're at the bottom of a mountain and you're looking at the top of it, you're already exhausted because you're like, how am I going to get that high up? What is it going to take for me to do that? Instead, it's reminding yourself, well, I have a guide for a reason. There is a path in front of me. How can I use the footsteps of other people? How can I use these tools that my guide has to lead me from base camp to base camp to create the change so I can get to the place that I want to be, which is whatever the goal is, right? Because we've been taught, at least we have here in America, that the way you do goals is you create your mountaintop goal. You then work backwards and figure out how to get there. But you always have to start with who do you want to be when you start the process? So that's where the process starts. The first thing is you have to know is, who are you? Why do you want to do this? What do you hope to gain out of this? Because if you know who you want to be, that then naturally leads into the steps it takes to become that person, which then naturally leads you to the different base camps to meet the people that you meet along the way to help you get to that end goal. Right, right. So you mean 1% transformational system if I mm -hmm. understand, that's the system you have. So 1% mm -hmm. each day, you mean 100 days, you have achieved total transformation? How does mm -hmm. that work? Yeah. So so basically what 1% is, is there's, you know, 1,440 minutes in a day. So about 15 minutes a day. If you use that 15 minutes to be really, really focused and really mindful on the four main areas of your life, how you use your time, how you handle your emotions, how you deal with you know, your relationships and your communication with other people, and how you manage your ability to feel productive and to have a sense of purpose. If you can manage those four areas throughout the course of your day, it allows you to then make these changes to move towards your ultimate goal. Because most of us, we do our best to try to get through the day but we really don't get from the day. And that's what we need to do. You have to change your focus to what do I need to do today to make it to one step closer to that goal? 
and it that's why it's 15 minutes a day and i learned this the hard way because i spent 15 years being completely burned out completely exhausted completely fried after the death of my mother and the collapse of my real estate business and then having a newborn child and moving in with my in-laws after all that it caused me to really decide who did i want to be as a man who did i want to be as a husband who did i want to be as a father who did i want to be and i had to figure that out first before i was able to make any real substantial changes in my life and once i got those pieces and i repaired my relationships and used my time more effectively and reconnected with my family and reconnected in all those different ways i was able to now begin to push through all the fear all the doubt all the things that we all have to make the changes that i wanted in my life and along the way it's amazing because i became more me than i had ever been before and the amazing thing is the more me i've been the more people are drawn to me the more people i get to talk to the more my life tends to evolve and become what i want it to be because i'm just being myself and in this world of technology and of the one percent instagram story the one percent facebook story the one percent snapchat stuff where we are starved for authenticity that when you meet someone that is truly just themselves and is comfortable in their own skin you know it you you want to do stuff with them because it makes you feel like if they can do that so can i absolutely absolutely clint in this world full of you know so much of uh, unnecessary messaging the right messaging has to be about authenticity and yes that is where the people will connect to you but when you talk about this one percent transformational mm -hmm. system you talk about beating burnout and stress mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so at what stage one has one can be that mm -hmm. okay this system will work if it is a difficult stage in, in case of a burnout yeah. and, and even on stress how does that work because then sure. would it need more stress on the stress tackling yeah. part or or does it or is 15 minutes enough how does that work well and that's the thing right when you're burned out when you're stressed out when you're feeling overwhelmed when you're feeling all of these things in the midst of this thing the thought of adding even one more thing makes you be like no don't want to do it no i have enough stuff i can't even take care of myself where am i going to find 15 minutes in my day to do something for me i have my boss needs this my kids need that my wife needs this i gotta get groceries i gotta drive to work come home from work all the different things when am i gonna have time for me and that's what it always comes back to is is you making yourself a priority and that's the first step you have to recognize that if you are empty if you are a dry well how can you give water to everybody else and that's the first step that's the first step of figuring that out and the way to do that to begin that process is it's actually a pretty simple process and i usually it's one of the first things i teach people and i call it it's my emotional management plan and what it is is the first thing you do is in those moments when you're feeling that burnout the first thing you learn to do is you learn box breathing and what box breathing is is you breathe in for four seconds and hold that breath you breathe out for four seconds and then hold empty and then breathe back in for four seconds and hold your breath again and you do that four times and what that does is it tells your parasympathetic nervous system which runs the biological fight or flight response 
There is no tiger that's going to attack you. There is no physical danger. There is nothing coming after you. Because that's what we are in when we are in stress and burnout is physical, biological fear. And so that teaches us, that tells your body, no, it's not. And the reason why it does is because our breath is the one thing that we can control that's automatic. So by changing that, that lets your body now calm down, which then changes the way your body is processing things. Now you're not dumping cortisol, adrenaline, neuroepinephrine, all these different things, all these hormones that are designed for you to fight or for you to run for your life. And so once you start to wash those out of your system, you then work on the psychological piece of stress and burnout, which is the story you're telling yourself in that moment that is triggering the fear response. I like one of my favorite examples is you get you get to work, you get in, you find the first email you see is one from your boss saying, we need to talk. <laughs> the first thing that your brain goes to, oh no, I screwed up somehow. They're going to fire me. I'm going to lose my house, lose my family, lose my job, and I'm going to be dead. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. All it says is we need to talk. It's not saying we need to talk so I can put you in front of a firing squad. It's nothing like that. But our brain, the story automatically goes to that. And so by for, by recognizing that, okay, my body is now freaking out. It is now going into fight or flight. I need to breathe and calm down because I don't want to go in there ready to fight this person, ready to run from this person, because I will not do the right things in that moment. So the next thing we have to do is we have to pull it out of our brain and write the story down. Take two minutes and just write out exactly what your brain is telling you. And most of the time, the story is going to be like the one I just mentioned. My boss is going to be mad. I did something wrong. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to end up dead. And most of the time, we're like, but that sounds ridiculous. Because when you say it out loud and you hear it, does that sound ridiculous to you? <laughs> yes, it does. But that's what's going on in here. Then the next thing you do is you get up and you move around a bit. You redistribute where the adrenaline is going. Because adrenaline, when you're sitting still, goes to four places in the body. The brain, the heart, the lungs, and your stomach. That's why when you get really adrenalized, when you are in fear mode, you feel like your guts are all kind of rolly and not feeling sour and feeling really bad. You may find it harder to breathe because you're breathing with less of your lungs. Your heart is beating out. It feels like it's going to try and jump out of your chest and literally run across the room. And this is the most insidious part. Adrenaline is designed to speed up our neural pathways so that when we're in physical danger, it slows the world down around us. So if a tiger is jumping at me, I might be able to dodge and right. then run away. But when we're sitting at a desk, that one second now literally feels like 10 seconds. So if you're sitting at your desk for 10 seconds, it now feels like a hundred, like, like a hundred seconds has gone by in that 10 second period. And so you're sitting there just feeling like you're being absorbed into this. So by doing that, by, by, by breathing, by writing out the story, by doing a little bit of quick exercise, power walk, push-ups, sit-ups, 
whatever you can do, and then coming back and reading what you wrote or video chatted to yourself or put on your, your or, or note took on your phone, whatever's going on, that now attacks this fear from all three domains. It attacks it from the biological, which is your nervous system. It attacks it from the psychological, which is what you're thinking. And it attacks it from the physiologic, from the physical by making the adrenaline and those chemicals go to the right areas, your arms and your legs, which is where they're supposed to go when you're getting ready to run or to flee. So by doing that process, that begins you being able to take that step back in that moment so you don't let the story that you're telling yourself lead you astray because the story you tell yourself creates your reality. So if you tell yourself, I'm going to lose everything, then the story says, well, if you're going to lose everything, you have nothing to lose. So now you begin to act in that way. And when you begin to act in that way with other people, the way emotional, the way emotions go is your thoughts plus your feelings equals your action and other people's reactions. And then that then is the reverse when it comes back to you. Now they have thoughts and feelings about the act, about the reaction, about the action you just did to them. So they react to you and then you react back to them and they react back to you. And it creates this cycle where now you're both stuck in this fear response mode. And now your worst fear comes true because now instead of listening to your listening to your boss when he's talking to you about just little minor improvements you're like no i don't need to do that i you become defensive you become aggressive you become these different ways which now your boss is like okay i need to watch that person because they are obviously something's going on with them they're things are going on so i need to keep an extra eye on that person and now you begin to create a self-fulfilling prophecy of now maybe you will get fired because of the way you reacted in that situation. And these are the tools and techniques that I teach people to use in 15 minutes a day because really that whole process that I described literally takes about five minutes to six minutes to do, to, to breathe, to write, to exercise, and to come back. So you still have 10 minutes left for the rest of your day to figure out how to continue to manage what's going on and how you're feeling. Right, right, Clint. So in an office environment, mm -hmm. uh, when there is so much of, you know, stress about whatever your mind says, whatever way you yeah. have built up the story, mm -hmm. what about people pleasers? Don't yes. they have any stress? Because oh. they are they are all ple pleasing. Oh, all no. Oh, no. What is their situation? <laughs> As a reformed people pleaser myself, <laughs> we are under the most stress. Because basically what a people pleaser is, is, so people pleasing, I think part of, for, for me, especially as a therapist and a life coach, that's part of my superpower. Because I spent most of my life up until I was probably in my, in my mid thirties, trying to anticipate the thoughts and feelings of everybody around me to give them what I thought they needed from me at that time. Imagine that, that means you are constantly hyper aware of anybody that's in your eye line and you're reading what's going on in their face, what's going on in their body, what's going on with their tone of voice. And you're making massive assumptions about what they're thinking. Instead of asking them what's going on, you're assuming that you already know. And then you again, tell yourself a story that you then act as such. And then for some reason, magically, it tends to appear that way because the story you've crafted, you're now guiding them through and it apparently is that way, but that's usually not the case. Usually if you, again, if you take that step back and you recognize, okay, right now 
I'm telling myself a story that I know exactly what you're going to say next, AJ. So this is the way I have to respond. I have to be very calm. I have to be very factual. I can't be animated. I can't be excited because if I don't do that, you're going to think this about me. So I have to make sure that I modulate and maintain what you're going to, what, so I know that you were going to say this next, but then, so what do I say to you? I say, well, you know, AJ, this is my thoughts on the matter. And you know, I'd, I would really like to hear what you have to say about that. And then you would give me an answer of like, okay, that's, that's according to the script in my head. Good, good. We're getting close. And so you follow this pattern of doing that. And so recognizing that I'm already creating a story about how our interaction is going, that that is extremely stressful because how many of other people's stories do you have to keep track of in a day? How many people do you meet in the course of a day? Five, 10, 15, 20, 40 people, 100 people a day? You got to keep track of all their stories in your head. Okay, who was I with this person? How did I react to them? What was the story I was telling myself about them? So you begin to categorize all these things and then you get so confused and you start messing up the different stories. And now you're under so much extra stress because you can't remember what you told the person in front of you. And that's why for me, the way I broke out of being a people pleaser is I stopped telling myself stories about people. Instead, I asked more questions. I tried to find out what they actually needed from me instead of what I thought they needed from me. And it was a hard thing to do because my fear, of course, was that what they're going to tell me is, well, I don't need you because that's ultimately what a people pleaser is, is you want to be wanted. You want to be needed. You want to be understood. And your greatest fear is if I talk to you and you actually don't need me, then what does that mean for me? Then that means I'm worthless. I'm useless. I'm all of these stories that we have in our head that makes us frustrated and anxious and scared and fearful because the hardest thing for people to recognize is every story we have, every emotion we have starts with fear. It starts with the biological fear story, and then it can morph into the psychological fear story, which then feeds the biological fear story, which then creates that cycle we get stuck in of people pleasing, burnout, exhaustion, frustration, you know, anger, all these different things are because we ultimately just want to feel needed, necessary, have purpose, and be connected. You have explained that very, very well uh, indeed, Kent. And I'm sure a lot of people will understand that, you know, that even people pleasers will understand that they need help rather mm -hmm. than so that they can be themselves, they can be authentic versions yeah. of themselves, and so that they are needed for being what they are, for what yeah. their skills are, for what as an individual, they are not for being somebody's eyes or ears, you know, and, exactly. and that is or otherwise, if uh, uh, the fear is always that you may not, if you may not be needed anymore. And mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with your skills, your work. That's yeah. uh, not a great situation to be in. And so one of the things that I tell people when they're dealing with those kind of thoughts and those kind of stories is write the story down, write down the absolute worst case scenario before you go see your boss. Write down exactly what the worst case scenario of what could happen if you didn't please your boss. Because most of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, the fear story we have up here doesn't come true. Unless 
we act in a way that forces everybody's hand to make it come true. And that's the thing I try to get people to understand is we are the authors of our story. So if we are writing the story where everybody's the villain against us and we are going to be beaten down, guess what role everybody's going to play in that story? They're going to be the villains against you and you're going to feel beaten down. Amazing how that works. It always comes back to that, recognizing that you are the author. And guess what that means? You can change the story anytime you choose to. Anytime you choose to step back, anytime you choose to take a breath, anytime you choose to recognize and own your own fears and recognize them for what they are. Fear is nothing but a biological remnant of physical survival because it literally was 184, 185,000 years ago that, human, that humanity had that massive change into how we are today. And for the last 184,500 years, we have been trapped in hardcore survival. And that is still going on in lots of parts of the world is hardcore survival. Don't know when we're going to eat. Don't know when, where we're going to sleep. Don't know what water we're going to get. Don't know if it's going to be clean. Don't know if it's going to be dirty. Don't know what infections or illnesses and all these things happen. If COVID taught the world anything is we're not the top of the food chain. The top of the food chain, we can't see. They can take us out anytime they want to. And that's the piece, right? Is as we recognize these things and take that step back and take that breath, we begin to recognize that we are all making it up as we go along. From the moment we wake up in the morning to the moment we go to sleep at night, we all made it up. Everything I just said in the last 21 minutes, I made up. Sure, I have 23 years of experience. I've got lots of information and facts. I've got 47 years of living on this planet. But this is all stuff that I've strung together from my experience. I made it all up. Sounds really good, right? Until you say that, then you're like, wait a minute. What do you mean you just made it all up? That, does, that doesn't fill me with confidence, but that's the truth. That's what we do every single second of every day. We are reactionary beings. I would love to say that we are not, emo we are, that we are, What's the phrase? We are emotional beings that we are, it's, it's, we are, it's not emotional. We are logical beings with occasional emotions. Instead, no, it's the opposite. We are emotional beings that are occasionally logical. And that's the part that gets us into trouble because the emotions run 90%, 95% of what we do. And then when logic finally comes into the picture, we're like, Ooh, that was not a good idea. I probably should have taken a step back and taken a breath because if I would have done that, that's why hindsight is always 2020, right? Because when you look back, you're like, boy, I acted like an emotional whack job. What? Why did I do that? Because you got trapped in the fear story. You didn't own it. You didn't recognize it. And you didn't tell yourself, this is not real. This is literally a story my brain is making up in this moment out of fear that I am going to lose everything I've worked for. And that's why taking that three, five minute breaks a day, 15, one minute breaks a day to stop and check in with yourself to make sure you're staying on the path that you want to be on is the way that you can make those profound changes in 100 days. Because you have to remember, this is compounding interest. This is not 
this is not any other way. It's math. If you take a penny, right, and you double it, and you double it, and you double it, and you double it for 30 days, you're now a multimillionaire. It's the same with this stuff. If you do good habits every day, and you build on those good habits every single day, in 100 days, you now have 100% change. But really, it's more than that. I think if I remember right, the math was like you have 3,702% or something like that change in that 100 days because you've continued to double the 1% by getting better each day and building on it. But the most important thing is in any goal that you create for yourself, build in failure. Because by building in failure, you will now know that Oh, well, today I just had a really off day. Okay, well, that's part of the plan because we're human beings. We're not going to be perfect every day. So by building in failure and giving yourself, like I have an allotted three cheat days a month where I don't do my plan, where I don't do what I'm supposed to do, where I don't follow my own rules because I'm tired and I don't want to. And the funny thing is, the longer I've had those cheat days, the less I use them. But I give myself an allotted three every month to know that, guess what? I'm a human being. I'm going to screw up. I'm going to be tired. Maybe I'm going to have a sick day. Who knows, right? But I give myself permission to fail because I know that I will use that as my next stepping stone to continue on my path of growth and improvement. Wonderful. Wonderful. There is much to talk and learn from you on all this, Clint. And I'm sure a lot of people would want to do that. So what is the best way for them to connect with you, learn more about you, and also if those people who need help want to connect with you professionally. Sure. So you can find me at smallchangesbigimpact.net backslash info. On that website, I have a free 20-minute training on burnout. I have a short ebook on burnout. Or you can also just set up a call, and there's going to be there's also a link where all my podcasts are that I've been on are there. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Small Changes Big Impact, the number four and the letter U. And on that, I post basically like two to three minute videos about this exact same stuff every day because, as you can tell, I'm full of it. I mean, um. <laughs> right. Right. I would say, you know, the thing is made up. Most of these things, these are all, we are all some total of what we learn along the way, meet everybody. And that is, and use all our expertise, especially professional expertise. That is where you create all that thing. You don't, you are not chat GPT. You are using, you know, other uh, images and things to learn. You use your own experiences with other people, with all your expertise in whatever you do in professional or personal life. With this, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. Thank you, AJ.